I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. I recently held a design influencer group at the Tedeli Outdoor Showroom in Newport Beach. This event featured some amazing and influential creatives from Orange County and San Diego. And for those unaware, there is a line of delineation between Los Angeles and Orange County. Crossing from 310-323 or 213 to 714-949 might as well require a passport. Shots and letting the babysitter slash dog sitter know that you're not going to be back for a while. It's not just the traffic, although I'm quite sure that that's one reason many in the architecture and design space don't venture south. But the fact is, the A&D community in OC and San Diego, it's strong. There's a large base of amazing talent in firms and individuals working on simply amazing projects. Yet those receive no media love unless they're talking about LA, Palm Springs, or Ventura County projects, or New York, even in international projects. Why? I wanted to find out. So I took a trip down to the Tedeli Outdoor Showroom and met with some designers and architects who seemed to have many of the answers, but it didn't seem to bother them the way that it does me. They did have some feedback on this subject and many other issues affecting the architecture and design biz down south. To back up for a minute, I started the Design Influencer Group for one very specific reason. I feel like the narrative has has left the creatives who create and has gone to others who sort of pontificate and speculate who don't actually do the work, they just tell you what's popular and what's not. It, that didn't seem right to me. So I wanted to start the Design Influencer Group to get perspectives from those people who are actually making the difference in the industry so that you can hear from them and get uh, sort of get it straight from the horse's mouth. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Their unwavering commitment to provide designers and architects with the tools to help create the kitchen and bath of dreams for their clients is unmatched. Why? Well, first, you have amazing service and world-class products that help make homeowners remarkable in the kitchen, like those from Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove. Sub-Zero's refrigeration provides so many options with regard to finish, configuration, and width that you will find the right product for just about any space you can design. If not familiar with the Pro Series, you must see this. Glass front or solid, side by side or over or under with options from 36 to 48 inches. Pair that with Wolf Warming Drawers for both custom look and state-of-the-art design and functionality. This is function with flair and flexibility. And if that wasn't enough, Cove Dishwashers offer Sub-Zero Wolf quality style and technology for a kitchen suite of products that work seamlessly together. And here's something even better. Through the Grand Kitchen event, your clients can receive three additional years of protection with a qualified kitchen appliance package. Details and conditions apply, so find out more by visiting any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond locations and visit their Pasadena or Santa Monica showrooms to see the all-new, amazing living kitchen. Starting at the beginning, here's who came out to this design influencer group, uh, series meeting in uh, Orange County at the Tedeli Outdoor Showroom. I wanted you to hear some ideas they came out to share regarding the state of design and trending design ideas. You have Xander Nori, 
uh, from Xander Nori and Kian Kajavi Nori, his, uh, his partner in life and his partner in business. Christiane Watts from KW Designs. Nicole Peralt from House of Design. Rick Campos, who, interesting guy. Um, if you're not familiar with Rick, designer who also has a podcast, uh, Design Biz Survival Guide. Go listen to it. It's good. Michelle Salt-Smith of Studio Surface. Mindy Lavin of uh, Mindy Lavin Home. We have John Henry Kaufman of John Henry Designs. And uh, Anissa Swansea from SKD Studios. This was a remarkable group of design professionals. As always, I want to provide you with new ideas and resources. And you've heard me tell you about Article. And if you haven't signed up for their trade program, ask yourself why. It's free for design professionals like you to join. And you can start receiving discounts immediately with no minimums. Combine that with the amazing finds at Article, your clients will love their modern Scandinavian mid-century style, clean lines, and through the, the trade program, you will get exclusive designer pricing, custom invoicing, and their shipping is absolutely amazing with stock items shipping for flat rate in most cases, if not free, and usually arrives in two weeks or less. Now, here's something you won't find often, true customer service. And you know what I'm talking about. Their service department is staffed by design uh, industry experts who understand what you're trying to, to get done and they have the authority to help you get what you need. If you haven't signed up for Articles Trade Program, I want you to ask yourself why. And then when you can't come up with an answer, go sign up for it because it's free and it's easy and it only takes a second. Go to cxd.article.com. CXD as in Convo by Design. cxd.article.com. And that's it. And uh, I think you're going to like it. So thank you. And thank you, Article. All right, back to the design influencer group in Orange County at the Tadeli Outdoor Showroom. Some big ideas came up, first of which were some thoughts on shelter media that I wanted to share. First is, and this is, this is interesting, I don't know why this is, but this is something that's real. Shelter media doesn't pay much attention to industry happenings down south in Orange County and San Diego. Shelter space media don't cover Orange County and San Diego unless there's a quote-unquote celebrity factor to the project. It can be a celebrity, titan of industry, or other public figure, but without that, there's little interest. There's also a lack of meaningful industry events in Orange County and San Diego. I found that surprising, considering that there's so much retail. Why don't more industry events take place in support of the design and architectural pro architecture professionals who work there? I'm going to be looking into that, and this is possible, and possibly working with partners to explore this idea. The other side of the equation must also be explored, though. If there were trade-focused events, would the architecture and design community support it? I'm not sure. Uh, it's certainly an idea to consider. Retail versus custom. There is a disconnect with clients between retail and custom as it relates to the difference between decorating and design. The majority of clients don't seem to fully grasp the value of custom in relation to retail. Finding the right piece or having the perfect piece made is somewhat of a foreign concept to, to many clients. And I'm not sure if it's because designers aren't pushing the idea that you can get a one-off um, at a similar price to much, much retail that's out there. This can only be due to the lack of client education. Design process confusion. 
the design process is is changing. And because there are so many different ways designers charge, it has created confusion in the marketplace. Clients don't know what they should pay versus what they are being asked to pay. What is true value for design services? This led to an in-depth conversation regarding pricing models themselves, and it was surprising to me to find out just how many are in use. They include flat fee plus discount off retail, price per foot, hourly plus markup, flat fee for construction plus hourly for post-construction design work, price per foot with quote-unquote X charges and markup, project management fee, hourly, cost per foot or flat fee, with so many different options, there are others, but for the sake of space, it was I, w- I wanted to limit it to this. It was determined to be crucial that the following must be employed. Designers, architects, and others providing creative services must have a comprehensive business plan that outlines the type of services and fee structures that they're willing to accept and that they're charging. Contracts must be written with specificity even if multiple forms of pricing for services are used. Communication with clients is absolutely critical to the success of the project. Many, if not most, clients will not read the contracts they're given. It was suggested that most will study the design boards and go straight to cost. If that is the case, it is crucial for creative service providers to do their best to make sure the client understands the process, what's expected of you and what you expect of them. Editor's note, this also includes the expectation and behavioral inclusions. If you don't want texts at 8 p.m., specify your hours in advance when you will be available to meet, talk, review, and be on site. You need to get editorial approval and publishing permissions in advance and in writing. And remember this, if you want your projects covered, getting editorial approval in advance is is critical because if you try to go back later, there's a chance that you're not going to get it or that you know someone else has, has pitched it to a magazine um, and it's not going to come out the way you want it to come out. So get that in advance. I, I didn't really think about that and I'm in media. So that was surprising for me and, and I, I thought it was a great point. Project management tools. One issue that comes up on a regular basis and did here as well is the desperate need for a project management tool for creatives, specifically designers. The suite of tools needs to include a CRM, a content management tool, billing, invoicing, social media management, and a resource tool for specifying. While many of these tools exist, none seem to accomplish everything in a scalable and flexible way. Why? Not sure. But expect this issue to keep coming up until someone solves it. Editor's note, this suite of tools should also include a mechanism allowing creatives to publish as well. Publish photos, newsletters, blogs, videos, podcasts. They should have a way to drop content into a template, tag projects, resources, and social media, all with one button efficiency. Can someone get on that, please? Please, I'm begging you. All right. Uh, client relations. Oh my gosh. This is a big issue that continues to come up and will continue to come up because there is no easy answer. Designers and architects, in my experience, you don't view yourselves the same way as an artist or performer, yet in many ways, you perform similarly. Imagine if everyone who bought a painting from an artist 
could text them at nine o'clock at night with a comment about how the blue doesn't really shimmer the way it should on nights with a full moon. Many designers have shared stories where clients will text them at night with a comment or a question regarding a product or on, or an order uh, for a future install. There should be, there must be, there have to be rules of engagement in planning during the job and after the work is complete. While there is no fix for every situation, this goes back to expectations and deliverables on a contract. Do's and don'ts should be in writing. By not doing this, creatives leave the standards of behavior up to each individual client. So do so at your own risk. The top five most important issues affecting shelter design creatives in Orange County and San Diego as of summer 2019. Just to recap this, number five, shelter publications are missing a remarkable opportunity to cover groundbreaking design and architectural work in Orange County and San Diego. Number four, custom work is gaining momentum with more creatives completing one-off pieces for close to retail pricing. And just a note here, I think a lot of this has to do with the operation of workrooms uh, opening up around town. And, and I think that that's a good thing. Designers, uh, number three, designers and architects should have well-defined and easy-to-understand pricing and process for clients. This sounds like it should be universal, but it's not. Number two, project management tools for designers and architects are not user-friendly and all-encompassing right now. They should be, and this presents a great opportunity for a company willing to do it right. And number one, client relations. Set the standards, terms, and expectations. This applies to behaviors, communication, and personal space. So with that, these are the findings that, that came out of uh, this design influencer group. And with that, I want you to hear some amazing design tips and ideas from those that uh, that were present. This is Kian Kajabi Nori. But it's interesting because and what I was saying was that having interviewed you and uh, Xander together, it's really interesting. You guys have, Xander Nori, you have a partnership that is really remarkable. And in having these conversations with you, you guys finish each other's sentences. And I imagine that having a design partnership like that where you where you vibe with somebody is so interesting and unique and I wanted to see what would happen to have you guys separately to, to sort of talk about the nature of the firm and what you're seeing right now in the design space how do, how, how do you how is it affecting the firm how's the business right now we're doing pretty good I think um, especially <clears throat> at this current juncture and moment of time um, Xander is primarily focused on doing the product development and I, I'm kind of kicking into gear developing client relationships and getting more homes. Mostly our primary goal is to be able to showcase the products that we're developing whether it's ghost design or uh, through our licensed collections um, uh, and showcasing them in the houses that we design so it's more of a breath of our vision for what we are thinking. <clears throat> the good thing is that we both have uh, similar aesthetics and we kind of play off of each other. So I will see something that he's drawing up and I'll go into a client meeting and say, oh, well, have you ever thought of this texture on the wall? 
in this way or using this type of material for a flooring instead um, or even the finishes that we uh, that he develops primarily uh, and kind of bounces off of me based off of something I will bring from either uh, a job site that I just found um, or an inspirational image that something that I walked by and I saw I took a picture of will translate into a table chair or so on and so forth so it kind of still balances itself out but at the end we kind of have a an unintentional indirectional uh, meeting of the minds if some uh, it kind of like flows across pollinates each other tell me about ghost designing ghost designing <clears throat> it's really interesting you uh, we were working with a lot of high-end companies that um, a lot of people know and work with but we're under contract not to disclose who they are and you get to meet with these really big um, I mean companies that I grew up and went to design school wanting to just be able to buy a piece of furniture from but hoping can will I ever be able to afford it this is of course with coming from a college student standpoint and um, being actually to walk their halls and walk their factories and work with them and ha hearing them wanting our opinion and what we think is viable for um, the future of the industry based off of our travels and um, our vision uh, of what we uh, what we have seen, what we have absorbed, what we feel and what we um, see around us evolving. So it, it being able to meld all that up and uh, producing something and especially when you ha either if it's in the mass market or if it's in the really high-end side of it where you, you see it in a magazine and you're like, I designed that. I can't say it, but I designed it. And you just put the check in your pocket and walk home extra happy. <laughs> but that's the only thing. Do you get the same satisfaction knowing that you designed it even though you can't say anything? Depends. Um, so a lot of the things that... We've had a situation where we, we designed something for our own collection and it didn't happen because of either we were in our own collection, we had one too many pieces or it wasn't the right time or it wasn't the right market. And it kind of sat there and we've had a client come in, one of these companies come in and see the, one of our pieces and say, oh, I love that, I want that. And you're like, well, I really don't want to give it to you. Not because I don't love you, but I, this is something I wanted. It's, it really speaks to our vision and our philosophy uh, of our um, aesthetic. And but it's more like pleasing them, so you give it to them, and that becomes the bell of their ball. And you're like, But I wanted to have my name on it. And that, that we've had situations like I want to say that happened twice before, but overall, just seeing the excitement of people purchase them and enjoy the pieces, or even sit down and you're sitting right next to them, they have no clue who you are, but they're saying, oh my God, I love how this sits, I love the pitch, I love the texture, I love the feeling, I love the colors, I love the height, everything about it. That gives you a happiness like you wouldn't believe because you just indirectly affected them, whether they're going to sell more of it, put it in their home, and in their showroom, and it's a representation of you, but they don't know it. And Who really cares because we, you, you've done what you're supposed to do is affect people's lives having your name on it I don't think is really that it doesn't really do anything I mean you can see a bunch of different designers and st tell me if I'm becoming long-winded in this but uh, where they're from the 50s and 60s and you don't know their names but you love their designs and indirectly even though they've passed and gone from 
like from this earth, you're, they're still affecting your life, whether it's inspiration or if it's through comfort of uh, using the product. So, anywho. Thank you, Keon. This is Xander Nori. It's funny, I was so excited about this because I was telling Keon, having interviewed you both before, and loved it, and loved the conversation. It was really great, I really enjoyed it. And it was so interesting because as a design duo, you guys have your lanes, and you both really stay in your lanes, yet at the same time you finish each other's sentences. And it's so funny, and I was thinking, you know what? I wanna see what happens when I get them talking independently of each other. Uh-huh. I'm off to a really good start. So I'm with having talked to Keon, and I, I wanted to talk to you as well. We were talking about both design trends in the business, but we were also talking about ghost design. And I wanted to get your theory and your your perspective sure. on the concept of ghost design as it affects um, as it affects you, as it affects the business, and and also the aspect of seeing your work out there in the marketplace, seeing people love it yet not knowing it was yours. Um, well, it's really rewarding and exciting to see people loving products that you've designed um you know usually they're for brands that people already love and so this is not uncommon you see it in the fashion industry a lot like you know every fashion house is famous for the brand like gucci for example and for years tom ford was sort of the creative behind gucci and nobody really knew that except for the people that were in the industry and then he went out later and he, you know, developed his own sort of um, named brand that now everybody knows and loves, the Tom Ford brand. And this similar kind of thing with um, Chanel, with Karl Lagerfeld. Um, so I, I think that this is something that is out there that um, has been going on in every industry um, for years, generations. And so ultimately what we love is designing products that people... Um, you know, want to take home and enjoy. And so it's not about ego. It's not about having our name on it. We love working for, you know, some some great brands, some great companies. Um, so it's about the relationships and, and quality and putting together a package of products that people love. So what are you working on now? What are you, what are you seeing out there? What are you, what is affecting you creatively? Oh gosh. Um, you know, what's really interesting is I feel that now more and more um, homeowners are not interested in a specific style. So you see all these different um, publications and brands sort of promoting um, a style, whether it's modern or classic. And what we're seeing, what's inspiring me, is homes that are really assembled. So they reflect a lifestyle. They reflect travel they were they reflect sort of uh where you've been where you are where you're going and that's really exciting for for me um so even in the products that we're developing i'm trying not to think about them in terms of modern in terms of classic um i'm trying to think of them in terms of beauty and how we live you know everything's inspired by something so um that's kind of what's inspiring me right now, mixing everything up. This is Christiane Watts from KW Designs. We're talking about design trends, and we're talking about what's real, what's tangible. What, what are you seeing right now? 
Uh, well, I'm seeing as far as like in style, the trends, or mm -hmm. are we, okay. Or, or the business, where do you want to go? Yeah, as I say, two different areas yeah. there. Um, Style-wise, you know, we're noticing a lot of finishes and things being uh, darkened, blacked. You know, I recently went to a show and um, we're seeing that char, you know, I, I was actually thinking that darker charcoal, you know, look was going to start kind of going out, but we're, we're seeing plumbing fixtures, tile, um, carpets to fabrics. Um, everything's like getting this charred look. And we're, uh, we're even starting to see um, laser cutting 3D things being cut out in plumbing fixtures. We're seeing a lot more with graphics and patterns being overlaid on materials. Um, so as far as some of those trends, you know, I'm, I, I'm seeing that in, in my world. Um, as far as on <laughs> the side of the business, as far as seeing d designers, how are we seen as a tangible or non-tangible product? Well, we touch everything <laughs> in a home. We're manipulating, changing, creating something and we're touching every product. But our service is not necessarily something that you can touch and feel and, and grab. And I, th I just kind of had this thought the other night and I was like, it's almost like it doesn't matter what the number is. It's, it's as if whoever that client or customer is, they already have an idea of what it is that the value of the designer is. And, um, I think that's one of our biggest challenges as designers is really educating and and making sure our customers and clients, whoever we're working for, understands the value and what we're what we're doing to provide tangible materials, products, design, atmosphere, how we feel in a space, and and knowing um, that you know there is a cost associated and it's not just this corner us into whatever project fee um, but you know I just feel like that's one of our biggest challenges right now um, and, and educating where we you know how we how we're gonna show people that what we do provide is a tangible service that was Christiane Watts this is Nicole Peralt from House of Design we are I mean obviously modern farmhouse is everywhere in Orange County. I don't see it going away anytime soon, but maybe people will get sick of it. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, uh, contemporary, modern, um, lots of organic materials, kind of some urban feels, um, pops of color slightly coming back in. Um, I think that typically happens the closer we get to summer. Um, the warm weather comes out, so people get a little bit more open to something a little different than gray and tan. Um, but yeah, modern farmhouse, contemporary modern, clean lines, some symmetry. Has it become too trite? Has it become too predictable? It is, is design, are, are we in that phase now where it's like this, it's the same palette, it's the same style, it's the same design. Is that, is that, a, is that a thing? Is that where we are? I think that's really heavy in Orange County. I, I do agree with you on that. I feel like everyone's very comfortable with what their neighbor has and they kind of want what their neighbor has so that they can go ahead and 
you know, feel comfortable in that space, whether it's tan or gray or, you know, concrete slabs or whatever along those lines, woven furniture, anything like that. But yeah, I think it would be kind of exciting if maybe designers challenge their client a little bit more to get outside of the box versus just whipping through like another job and being done with it. If they could challenge them a little bit more, present them with maybe something that would make them, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but like not present to them something that they don't see every day then maybe you would walk into more homes and be like oh this is like really cool this is unique like I haven't seen this before versus literally seeing the same thing in every single class isn't that isn't that part of the value of a designer that's the whole point of having a designer (laughs) is having it custom (laughs) yeah no it's funny you should say that because I I just had some work done Uh, it was a surprise for my wife and used a designer never been happier it's something I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of elsewhere that's great that's great yeah that um that's the point of having a designer it's great that you had a great experience there is that (laughs) um but the yes I agree with you the whole point of having a designer is you know making your home tailored to you or making your commercial space tailored to you or you know if someone's doing a custom hotel like you don't want to walk into every hotel you want it to be an experience you want it to be memorable so if it's not memorable and you don't enjoy being in your space then why hire someone you can just go do it yourself? <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Nicole. This is Rick Campos uh, from the Design Biz Survival Guide, and I love that Rick and I got to talk about podcasting. I love this. I've been looking forward to talking to you about podcasting. Right. And when, when did you start doing this? When did you decide this is something you wanted to do? You know, I started actually, it's going to be a year uh, this month in June. So literally a year ago in June, I launched the podcast. Probably six months before that is when I started kind of exploring podcasts. Um, probably listened to my first one. Um, and I just thought it was an interesting format and a great way to kind of share information. So I started listening to other podcasts related to the design industry. And, you know, I have my favorites and I listen to them all. And then I started identifying things that I wanted, like I wanted more. There was things missing from each one, typical to, you know, like your favorite TV shows or anything else. And so I started thinking about it and I've always been like a contributor to the design community. So I decided to go ahead and start my own and kind of fill the niche that I had identified and that I was looking for and wasn't able to find. So I just created it myself. Why business of design? Business of design specifically because when I entered into the design um, industry, it's a second career for me. So I didn't really have a lot of resources. I went to design school and I learned about design, but I didn't really have a lot of resources as far as the business of design. And so I knew when I was in design school that I wanted to launch my own design company, but I wasn't really taught that in design school. So I needed a resource to learn that information. So naturally I relied on the design community for that. But at that time I was met with some resistance and it wasn't as open-minded as it is today. And so I felt that that was a missing resource. And I've always, as long as I've been in the design industry, have been an open book and have encouraged other design professionals to share aspects of the business of design uh, with fellow designers. And so that's kind of always been my platform. And so uh, it was a natural progression to the podcast. What have you learned about the business design 
industry, about business design in the last year since you started doing this? Um, I, well, it's been really a learning experience because I've talked to so many designers and I think the one thing that I've learned by talking to all of these different designers about business is that every design business is different and that there is no one global answer. And I know that so many design professionals are just like, just tell me the answer. What's my markup? What's my hourly? What should my rate be? What should my cost per square foot be? And the answer is it's different for everyone. And if there's one message I can get across to the design community through this entire effort, it would be to really kind of stop asking that question of the community and kind of look inward and rely on your business model and really get to know and understand your business model and develop a structure that's right for you and then share with the design community because there's going to be people with similar businesses to yours and that's where you become a value because then you're able to kind of you know compare pricing structures and business models um, and be relatable in that regard but everyone has to really develop it for themselves when you select the designers that you want to appear on the show mm -hmm. how do you pitch them you know what? It, I, I've had, I've been very, very fortunate. Not a single designer has said no, and uh, knock on wood, and I hope that that lasts. And really, I just pitch them. I'll send them an email, or I'll pick up the phone, or you know, we'll uh, cross paths at a design event, and I make sure that they understand that this is not a way to promote their design business. It's a way to contribute and give back to the design community. You're not going to get a client by being on my podcast because consumers are not listening to my podcast. Designers are listening to my podcast. So if you want to be a part of this design community and if you want to give back, we need to talk. And really, every designer wants to be that. That was Rick Campos. This is Michelle Saul-Smith from Studio Surface. The concept of being on, on camera is somewhat disconcerting and and I get I get it but I, I also don't get it because you're a creative yeah well I think you know it's one thing like for our creation yeah I think to be out there yeah you know and I have no problem like I said presenting to a client or but when the focus is about me instead of the product then I think it's a bit different well let's talk about the product for a minute so it's summer 2019 what are you seeing right now what design trends um, are you seeing and which ones which ones are make you laugh and which ones do you think are just fantastic you know trends is a it's a hard concept for me um, typically when I design the aesthetic is is to create a curated collected um, vibe you know whether it's it's modern obviously it's you know reinventing traditional things in a modern way so when I talk about trends like oh it's kind of a bad word sometimes um, that said being that we have so much access to online resources you know we're getting bombarded with trends our clients are coming to us asking about particular trends uh, I would say the trend is going back to antiquity in some ways and embracing patina you know, so it's not everything, not every finish has to be pristine and new. I think clients are getting more comfortable using timeless materials that are going to age gracefully, like a marble in the kitchen, um, steel that's going to patina and weather. So I think what I've observed is that um, there's more of a prevalence of using authentic maker's movement type finishes and pieces 
you know, getting away from the, the carbon copies, if you will. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I, I think the, the, one, the one thing I would sort of ask you about as a follow-up to that is I get and I hear all the time about the concept of trends. And when you say trends, designers in particular just recoil, right? right? right. A trend is an idea that has caught on, be it temporary or permanent. Right. Right? Right. It, the, and I think that, that doesn't even mean new. It could just be something that's resurged again. Yeah. 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 And, and which, which I think is really interesting. And by the way, it could be a terrible idea. But, right. But there will always be people out there who, who latch on to something right. and do it regardless of, of the quality or value. Right. Well, hence, when you look at homes that we're now redoing from the 80s, the 90s, I mean, thank God for trends, right? That's why we're still in business, because we're consistently updating people's homes, surrounding spaces to be current, whatever current is, you know, and, um, you know, we can say all day long. And I said just a few minutes ago that we're known for creating a timeless, modern, effortless aesthetic that, yeah, there's some modern reinterpretations of things. But at the end of the day, nothing's forever, Why? which is why designers exist. And, you know, we're purchasing new product, purchasing new finishes for people, because even if it's so-called timeless, people tire of things and they want change. So Thank you, Michelle. Here's Mindy Lavin. So we're talking about um, design trends, and uh, we're talking about this for, for summer 2019. What are, you, what are you seeing? So what I think I'm seeing a ton of is natural wood, which I absolutely love. Um, I'm doing a project right now where I'm using uh, split face riff cut oak, white oak, and it's so beautiful, like back to a natural palette, I think, um, and leaning into sustainability and things that are green, um, repurposing things, reusing things, not everything being new. And I feel like that fits with my design aesthetic um, perfectly. I don't think that you should fill a house with everything that came from a store. I think there should be some things that existed before the house existed and before you existed. And so I try to incorporate that in everything I do. Uh, color and cabinetry is something that I'm seeing. I was a very white girl for a really long time, still am, um, but I am using a little color. and. I know green is being pushed out there like gray, um, and I never want to see gray again, like ever in my life. Uh, but I do love green and different shades of it. I think um, not a typical shade like a really muddy green, a really sagey green can be really beautiful combined in kitchen cabinetry with that natural wood. I think that's amazing. And a little bit different and not quite so canned, everything all one color, all white. So I'm going to go for that on my next project, actually. <laughs> Um, so I think things that are handmade too. Uh, I think there's a resurgence of things that are handmade and it doesn't necessarily mean it's designer handmade or um, expensive handmade. Pottery, I'm seeing that everywhere. Something that you're going to get the only one and you don't even have to pay a lot for it. It could just be something really amazing that was picked up on a travel or that leans into your lifestyle without being, um, something you could pick up at Target. Um, so not the knockoff, but the real thing. I think that's that's pretty important. Um, mixed metals, I love that, and I do that. I don't think all your hardware has to match. 
I love like a little bit of brass with chrome, no problem. I think it's okay to mix. That's part of design. Anyone can do the whole granimals where everything matches from the light fixtures to the handles to the faucets. I don't really like that. I don't think that's design. I think that is canned, if you will. Um, what else? Oh, wooden countertops. Um, I love a wooden countertop with like a boat varnish. I think you can do an amazing island like that. You could even do a portion of a counter. I think that is um, super different. I see a lot of people moving away from quartz, even though we've done that for a really long time, and back to natural materials. So I still love like Taj Mahal quartzite. I think you can get that beautiful uh, marble look but without the problems that you might have with marble in terms of staining and wear and all of that. Um, what else? I'm going to say curated and collected, but I don't want everyone to throw up. Uh, <laughs> I know that's been said ad nauseum, but I think that it's still true. I think anything uh, vintage or old or that came through your family or that is personal to you, those are the things that really make real design as opposed to that fake book that we bought somewhere. Um, I just bought a bunch of books that uh, came from Paris and they're beautiful and they're, they have a leather wrap on the outside and I would much rather look at that than some book I just ordered from Amazon. So I try to incorporate that into my design and I see a lot of other people doing that too and I think there's a movement away from everything looking the same. Like, I can't do one more boho thing. Thank you. <laughs> this is John Henry Kaufman from John Henry Designs. We're, we're talking in the context of, of designers getting together, and I, I love when designers get together because the, the, it's like any group of creatives who get together, and then we're just having, talking both about real and perceived design. When it rubber meets the road and we talk about real design, what are what are you seeing right now? What's affecting um, from a style and design trends and what's happening out there in the marketplace? What are you seeing right now? What's affecting the way you're working? Um, I'm seeing a lot of outdoor outside influences. Um, your Pinterest, your Instagrams, your your bloggers trying to influence how people are thinking, and then that being paired up with catalog life, um, West Elm Restoration Hardware all of that because it has the most marketing. Um, if you think about it, Needler Faucher, um, Thomas Lavin, they don't have the publications or the weekly rags that put the product in your face every day. So, so those companies and those platforms are leading the message. And when it comes to the message, if, if you were leading that, what, what would you say from a design trend and actual style? What do you think is, effect, is, is leading the business, is driving the design business right now? Um, people are definitely focused on kind of, I would say, a new shabby chic. Uh, rich hippie is kind of what I see. You know, the Killam rugs and the Ushaks and, and kind of the, the exposed furniture. But like you said, a mix of kind of Scandinavian modern still influenced. And so I think that's what's trendy. That in contrast. Um, whereas before everything seemed very beige, I see a lot of black and white, pops of color, things that get the eye to kind of catch. Do you have any favorite projects that you've worked on recently? Um, I have one that was in 
Crystal or uh, Corona Del Mar, that was a favorite. Why? I mean, um, because they were a designer's dream. They had both taste and money. <laughs> and um, they were a lot of fun. They went for it. Not a lot of questions. I, I understood their aesthetic, and um, it turned out beautifully. It was, it was cool. Thank you, John Henry. Uh, and rounding us up is uh, Anissa Swansea from SKD Studios. Why did you become a designer? I mean, it's it's what I've always wanted to do. You know, it's because I, I think I had the vision of like, you know, it's going to be so great, and we'll, we lunch, and and I get to meet great people, and we'll go, we'll have Starbucks together while we talk about how great their space will be, and that's just not the reality of this business <laughs> at all. So, what is your favorite part of the business? The end. Tr- true story. Like really, the the when we're done with a job. And we get to go in there and see the whole, like, where we started and where it ended. To me, that's, like, that's that's where it's all worth it. Tell me about the reveal. What it, do you, how do you, pre- do you prepare so, for you? So we're not, like, we're a real firm. <laughs> like, like, I'm not kidding you. Like, people, I honestly think that's probably what's helped our success is that we're not, <clears throat> in Newport Beach, there's a designer on every block. You know, I mean, everybody's a designer. Everybody's a quotey designer. And so in that, like, you know, marketplace, like, so for us, we're we're just real. We're like real people. My All my assistants, we're just real people. Like most times I got a baseball cap on, I'm wearing Nikes. We're on the jobs, like in the, in the dust, in the, you know, like, I, so I, I think for us, we don't we're not like the tv designers you know like we we don't have a big reveal (laughs) it's like clients don't want to pay for us to store stuff to have this big reveal moment so most times it's just trickling in their house the couch comes the next week your chair's coming we're waiting on that bro we'll have like a moment where we go in and we do accessories and lamps and artwork and and we'll stage like that but for us it's like we always joke with our clients that we're the ones that get the big reveal moment because most of our clients are living through this nightmare. So they're watching the transformation happen. We're at the end, we're the ones that are like, usually like, Oh my God, the wallpaper finally went in. It looks great. It's all, you know, so, so we joke that like, we kind of get the wow moment, but we do our best to give it to them, you know, with the accessories and finish it up like that. I love this. You've created something. You've created the slow reveal. It's kind of like design in space. (laughs) It's real. Like that's our that's our motto. It's like real people, real budgets, real products. Like that's that's it. That's how it works. At, it, we're, it's not TV. It's not. And we tell our clients that we do have some clients that it's their second home. They don't live here. They get the big reveal because you know they're they live in LA or they're living they're living in you know somewhere out of the out of state. They get to come home and see it all done. But the ones that are here, there's no reveal for them. It's like one day everybody leaves. <laughs> You know, the construction's finally done. Then we have the cleaning crew come in, and then we sort of stage it. And they get to see, like, the lamps in place and things like that. But they've lived through the nightmare. That's kind of how it... (laughs) That's the reality in our world of the design. And out of that comes the home of their dreams. The home of their dreams, yeah. Because we don't do a lot of just our... You know, our firm is... We're really... People come to us for kitchens. That's really... that's That's where we meet them. They want me to design their kitchen. 
that's a big remodel. You know what I mean? We're taking out all their cabinets. Most times we're taking out walls. We're redoing the flooring. Like, we're not just going in and changing a bedroom, you know? So our world is a, a little bit different, I think, when it when it comes to design. And then when it's done, they're like, okay, you're done. Get out. <laughs> or they're like, what about the master bathroom? You know, that's how, that's how we end up, like, doing... That's how we... That's why I really went from kitchen design to doing more, like actual interior design is because once we were there then they were like you know it, it's all open concept now so now we're doing the kitchen and we're doing the family room and the other want us to do the living room and then we're the master you know so that's how that's really how it all started for us like for me it was, I was okay with just going in and just redoing a kitchen and you know then it sort of spread and that's that's kind of how it, we we encompass it all so this episode of the podcast was jam-packed I hope you enjoyed it um special thanks Thank you, thank you to all of those that came out to the Tedeli Outdoor Showroom in Newport Beach for the Design Influencer Group. Special thanks to Xander Nori, Kian Kajavi Nori, Christiane Watts, Nicole Peralt, Rick Campos, Michelle Salt-Smith, Mindy Lavin, John Henry Kaufman, Anissa, Anissa Swansea. Special thanks to um, Gian and uh, Tatiana and Katerina from Tedeli Outdoor Showroom, uh, from Tedeli Outdoor. Special thanks to Snyder Diamond, to Article, and to Vondam. Thank you so much for your support. And um, thank you, because without you listening, uh, there's no podcast. And I appreciate you. Thank you very much. If you enjoy the show, and I do hope that you do, please go to iTunes um, and leave a rating and review. It helps uh, new listeners find the show. And um, with that, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Until then, keep creating. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Von Dom Furniture. Their design culture is the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vondam pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest. Vondam products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted modern durable molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique. They beg to be enjoyed. Have you seen them featured in our videos? Check out our YouTube channel and see this for yourself. You can also find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in Los Angeles, or online at vondom.com.